You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. I don't know why, Lars. I just feel compelled to talk about the weather when we open every shop. Can I skip it one day, Justin? Just one day, not talk about it being 105 heat index. But Lars came by and picked me up this morning, and I broke a sweat going from my house to his truck. And it's it's hot, and I guess Tahoe. I don't I don't talk. Man. What? <laughs> Sorry, man. Got slapped on the wrist thirty seconds into the show. Check just for missing that. Anyway, and it probably bothers me. Why is he talking about heat? They're just reminding us that it's just darn awful outside. So, all right, that's all about the weather. Yesterday, after our show, I took my son Lincoln, who's eight, and we played golf at uh, in in Birmingham at uh, Oxmoor Valley, little par three course called the Backyard. We love it. But the thing is, there's no trees. There's no shade whatsoever. And I act as Lincoln's caddy as I'm trying to, you know, uh, teach you him. you have the boiler suit on? <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, I have, I don't think I've ever been that hot in my entire life. Like we had planned to, uh, we were going to play nine, maybe play 18, and then hit a bucket of balls after. And no. We just we played nine, and I was just so overheated. And I've been in a lot of heat in my life, uh, and this is just next level. The hottest I've ever been was on a golf course too, but I wasn't playing. I was covering the PGA in '84, which you were what eleven? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it was in August, and there was nothing moving through Shoal Creek. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to pass out, but I nothing on me was dry. Yeah. And I can remember that's when bottled water first started coming out. And I reached into one of these things. You know, they got all kinds of food and stuff around each hole for the players. The media can get it, too. I reached in and I grabbed something. I said, what's this EVN? <laughs> no, I didn't. EVN, right? The, it's a, that an Alps water. It's the best drink I've ever had in my life. So anyway... You know uh, what that, you know what you spell that backwards, you know what it is? Naive? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I remember when bottled water first came out too, and my dad was like, they really think they're going to make money selling water? I thought the same thing. How about <laughs> selling air at the gas station? <laughs> pay for those things. Uh, hey, let's talk some sports, shall yeah. we? We'll yeah. leave the weather up to our man, James Spann. The media days, of course, highlighted last week the Southeastern Conference in Nashville. But this week, uh, I'm, Paying a lot of attention to the AAC because, uh, man, did uh, did Trent Dilfer ever get up on his high horse yesterday? But the big story, Lars, is coming out of the Pac-12 and Big 12. Yes. So here, uh, in, in a nutshell, it's Colorado is going to be leaving the Pac-12 and joining the Big 12 here in uh, 2024, it appears. But let, let's put this in some context. Uh, two years ago, after Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were going to leave the, uh, leave the pack or sorry, leave the Big 12 for, uh, the SEC. The Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlesby, he reached out to the newly hired commissioner of the Pac 12, George, uh, Kalikoff. And Bowlesby said, Hey, let's merge our two conferences. 
Let's share a media rights package. Uh, let's uh, uh, um, establish a schedule alliance. And Bowlesby was so committed to this idea, he flew out to California and met with Kalikov and said, hey, for us to survive, we need to, we need to merge. We need to come together, uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Well, guess what? The Pac-12 back then, uh, two years ago, they said, no, we're not interested in merging. And they also decided under the leadership of, of Kalikov, um, not to expand. And they refused to uh, try to go after some poachable Big 12 schools at the time because the Big 12, again, they were really reeling because they just lost their two marquee programs in Texas and Oklahoma. All right, fast forward 25 months and the tables have turned 100%. Uh, the Big 12's raid uh, has uh, of, of the Pac-12 has left the Pac-12, I think, teetering on the brink of non-existence here. And I don't think this raid is over. And uh, there are... Um, uh, and, and, and right now, the Pac-12, I know that the leaders of the conference are meeting today to discuss the news of Colorado's impending departure. And so I think we're, we basically have a game of, uh, of musical chairs on the sinking Titanic. And or or musical, I don't know, uh, maybe a raft. Who, who can get on the last raft before okay. the Titanic sinks? And when it comes to conferences, because I think we're eventually going to end up with three, possibly four. But I think you can see now that the Pac-12, um, they, in order for them to survive, they're going to have to expedite their own expansion plans. They are going to have to put a new television deal together. Um, I know that they are already, they have been targeting two expansion targets in uh, San Diego State and SMU. But does San Diego State or SMU have anything near the juice of uh, of a Colorado? Right now, I think and San also, Diego you know, State they, has more. They, yeah, <laughs> and they, uh, you know, the, obviously the Pac-12 has already lost USC and UCLA, and all their their marquee school now is Oregon, and I, I would argue probably the uh, Arizona schools. And I just think that the Pac-12 is 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 on its way to extinction, and then it will become all right. Do we have then just four power conferences, or does the ACC survive? It's going to come down to the ACC or the Big Twelve because we know that the Big Ten. Is, is safe. I think the Big 12 is in this for good. Now. I think that I do too. I really do too. Oh. And so what happens to the ACC? I mean, it would be easy to, for the ACC schools to latch on, right? Particularly in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah. I mean, particularly the Southeastern Conference and some in the Big 10. And then whoever's left over could go to the Big 12 if they're, if they're so willing. But, uh, but yeah, it uh, it appears that that Colorado uh, is is bolting, and they they are getting uh, they're making a a really uh, the the sign is obvious that they have no confidence in the Pac-12, and they have no confidence that the Pac-12 is going to survive. 
and it just seems like the, the, the everything is breaking apart. And uh, and boy, I, I Kalikov, I think, just made a tactical error big time again two years ago, twenty five months ago, when he said, "I don't want to merge with the Big 12. We're going to go at it on our own." And uh, that may have well been the um, the beginning of the end. One quick note here on Klyakov. I think it's Kalikov. Kalikov? Yeah, something like that. K-L. I'm the worst with names. It's the West Coast thing. But anyway, he was like the president of MGM. This guy had no experience in sports management. And to me, it is showing all over. I mean, really? I mean, you don't want to talk merging when you've just lost your two bell cows. Yeah. And Lars, even I know better than that. I know, I and know. I'm just a and and man just to like to to clarify that, so the the Big Twelve presidents and chancellors they voted unanim- unanimously on a conference call last night to accept Colorado as a new member, and Colorado obviously has been showing a ton of interest, and that really that. That vote marked the one of the final remaining steps for Colorado again to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12, and uh, they're they're trying to finalize the deal today, um, and so it, it could happen here really soon, and so Colorado's departure would come after the 2023-24 season. And that coincides with the end of Pac-12's current television deal, right? So that means that Colorado would not have to pay any exit fee to the league. So, um, and see, so somebody in Colorado's got their thinking cap on, yeah, big time, yeah. And plus, Colorado just outmaneuvered a lot of schools here. Well, and and just the hiring of Dion. Well, I, and I wonder if the hiring of Dion made Colorado a more attractive school I, I, in the I long so. term yeah. to the Big 12. You know, because Colorado has been bad for a while. But nonetheless, Colorado, you know, they, they've won a national championship. They contended for national championships in the uh, 90s and in, uh, in the 90s, had a Heisman Trophy winner and Rashad Salam, uh, Rashad Salam. Um, and they have history and man, we were just talking to Tim Brando yesterday, and Brando was telling us that he thought it was the most beautiful setting in all of college yeah. football. And I've been there too, because the, the stadium it sits in Boulder, uh, and it's right at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, and it, it is it is gorgeous. I, I know that Folsom Field needs some updates, but the, the setting is, is just magnificent. Fantastic stuff, and we've got more. I want to get into the Big Ten and what's happening with Minnesota and the finger-pointing. Boy, it just seems to be a trend today. <laughs> hey, I'm going to claim my coach did this. I'm going to say my coach did this. Uh, it's, it's, it, is, uh, it is a common denominator in, in our society today. Cause it, it, it's not just happening in athletics. I don't know if I'm going to dive that deep into our culture. I will dive into a commercial break. Hey, it's Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Owner of r 
Cigar Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, just a small chance of a shower or storm through the evening hours. The high today, 98. The low tonight, 75. Tomorrow and Saturday, partly sunny both days with isolated afternoon storms. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on Big News Sports. It's Matt, Lars, Justin, Mark Hyman be with us in just a minute. If the host could remember when to call him, that would be me. All right? It's all on me. Uh, Lars, the, the Big Ten with Northwestern, and there have been accusations of co- coaches doing this and this and that and that and that. P.J. Fleck, I, I don't know. I'm not saying he's Teflon, but I've never heard anything bad about this guy. In fact, I've always thought that... He'd probably end up leaving Minnesota uh, for a better job. For a better job, yeah. But um, row the boat. They're they're talking about the Fleck Bank and all this stuff, and it has been refuted by everyone except the a couple of players. Yeah. So here are the allegations, and the, these come from uh, several former University of Minnesota players and staffers. And again, PJ Fleck is the head coach of the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. Uh, and this reporting comes from front office sports that Fleck has been accused of creating an environment, quote, fraught with intimidation and toxicity. Uh, among the other accusations, the report says that he created something called, quote, the Fleck Bank. And that terminology was used to describe uh, an alleged system that allowed players to accumulate, quote, unquote, coins that would cancel out poor behavior like positive drug tests and rules violations. And, and according to front office sports, the, the Fleck Bank tracked community service visits as well as how committed players were to their schoolwork. If, if a teammate ratted out another teammate, they would allegedly be given Fleck Bank credits. And, um, yeah. And so Fleck was the one, he developed a philosophy start at Western Michigan. It was called Row the Boat. Uh, It was a school, like, uh, it was, I don't know. It just meant that we're all in this together. Everybody, everybody rose together. But these multiple uh, former players and staff members in Minnesota, they used the term cult to describe his implementation of this philosophy at Minnesota. And, uh, and so players said you always wondered who the rat was and who the rat wasn't. Boy, that's not a good thing uh, to have. And, going and Fleck on has, all. Fleck has vigorously denied all of this, but, uh, Matt, our next guest is ready to yeah, go. Yeah, uh, when you, what did you say? Row the boat? Row the boat. You remember what Dennis Franchoni used to say? No. Hold the rope. <laughs> and, uh, that didn't work out too well for him. Um, on many levels. Joining us is Mark Heim, who's with WNSP in Mobile and also a uh, really good writer for AL.com. He kind of takes care of South Alabama and a lot more. Mark, how are you? It's Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on, man. You're taking me way back to 
Dennis Frantoni and drop the rope or hold the rope yeah. or don't drop the soap or whatever it was. <laughs> well done. Uh, <laughs> good start. Put him pop. Lars and I were just talking about the Minnesota accusations for some of their players, and then you got Northwestern doing the same thing, and it's constant backbiting and, and t- turning on each other. Uh, something tells me, unfortunately, uh, it's not the last case. We're, are people going to keep doing this, Mark? Players? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and what makes this, this so difficult to kind of try to try to translate is, are, are these legitimate allegations or is this just sour grapes? I mean, I, I think that's what Fleck kind of kind of alluded to today when he was talking with the media over there at their that little cute little thing they call Big Ten Media Days, uh, <laughs> where where he was talking, to, he kind of alleged and hinted at, you know, you, you're either on board and you're having a good time and it's a good experience or you're not. And so um, I, I think that's the biggest problem with all of this is usually it comes from a former player or players. Usually those guys probably aren't the most notable or had the most snaps. And so you, unfortunately in this day and age, you got to question everything. Do I think some of what, is happening at Northwestern and, and Minnesota is, is actually happening. Do I think that actually happened? Yeah, I think on some level a lot of it is, right? I think it's the same old, same old. I, I think probably Minnesota and Northwestern have their versions. Their former players have their versions. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Are you surprised that um, there, as far as I can remember, uh, in the last decade, I haven't heard of any hazing type of incidents in the SEC. Have you, have you Mark, did, does anything come to mind? Ooh, um, nothing strikes me off the top of my head. I'd have to give it question. some thought. Um, I just, I I just wonder why so. all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, two Big Ten programs here uh, have, are, are dealing with players who are speaking anonymously. Uh, I think we know now who the Northwestern, uh, the main Northwestern player was. But uh, what, what is your takeaway just from the, the entire Northwestern scandal? Because I, I know... Um, as as good as you can, you 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 cover the Big Ten uh, for AL dot com and, and national college football, but and so what is your just sort of you know your analysis of of what has taken place at Northwestern, and also we we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about whether or not it was a good idea for Northwestern not to send their players to uh, uh to Big Ten Media Days, although I think it was the players actually that made the, the call. Um, if, if you could just comment on that as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the, that that part first. I, you know, I think it was a, it's certainly a smart move by the players. They were obviously disappointed because that's a big deal, right? And, and any any conference to be picked to be representing your team to go and, and speak about football. The problem is, you and I uh, both know that's not they weren't going to ask a single football related question. So I know their statement was, we want to keep it about football, so we're not going. But I, I think most coaches, if not all coaches, were asked about that situation or some version of that question while they were up there. So it was going to be a big topic of conversation, whether they were there or not. Um, does Northwestern somehow control the narrative a little bit differently if they're up there? I don't know those kids well enough to answer that question, but if I felt confident and sending uh, a couple of well-spoken, educated guys, seasoned veterans up there. Maybe it would have played a little differently. Um, as far as that situation, I think in this day and age and in, in, in all the headlines that we read, I, you, you, 
I mean, you can't, there's certain words that are buzzwords, man. Hazing is still a buzzword, you know, sexual assault. I mean, those are, you, you can't turn a blind eye to allegations for whether you, whether, you know, you think they're legit or not. So I I think Northwestern, um, had to, uh, had to proceed, um, in a way that looks like they were holding people uh, accountable. I mean, go back. I think this all stems guys back to Joe Paterno in Penn State. I think mm-hmm. I think people learn from that and, and Baylor, right? I think those type, Baylor might even be a better example now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, not only of what happened in those individual cases, but more importantly, how did the universities respond and what was the outcry? What was the response to to, to those universities? And I think I think universities, regardless of the actual uh details of each incident i think they're i think they're reacting more to what happened to those guys than what's actually going on here because whether we like it or not public perception is reality another i don't know if i answered your question yeah no that's (laughs) good good. you covered all the bases Uh, another huge story is colorado and the uh perhaps and i think it's done i think it's going to happen don't you think you're going to the the big 12 i mean i think everything's been done but signed um and Colorado's making a splash from Dion right now to moving away from the Pac-12, aren't they? Yeah, well, you know, I've been saying it all for a while now. The Pac-12 continues to Pac-12, and, <laughs> and this 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 conference, uh, at the very least, will cease to be a Power Five. Whether or not it's even a conference, you know, three, four, five years down the road, I don't know. But they bungled this whole TV media deal. The way they're presenting the information, they've got. They've got too many people talking about something they shouldn't be talking about in public. It, it almost kind of gives me, and forgive me, Auburn fans, it kind of feels like <laughs> uh, that that whole Auburn feel when coaches are in trouble, right? Everybody's talking, everybody's got opinions, and and and, and you you really just need to kind of circle the wagons. So from that aspect, I think the Pac-12 is in serious trouble. Um, and yes, Colorado, um, I should say Dion School, because I think if it were any other school where Dion was. We'd probably be talking about that school moving from the Pac-12 to the Big uh, 12. So good move by the Big 12. There, it wasn't that long ago, guys, and you guys know we probably left the Big 12 for dead. Mm-hmm. They've kind of rallied, and there's there's a there's a pulse there in the Big 12. But man, at at the uh, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be uh, tough times bled in the head for for the Pac-12. I, I just don't see how they recuperate. I mean, they've already been on the outside looking in of college football playoff as a Power Five. And now you're just losing ground. So maybe they'll surprise us and they'll come up with some sweet TV media gig, but I just don't see it. Do you think we are headed toward three super conferences? Uh, and we know that the SEC is going to be fine. We know the Big Ten is going to be fine. And it could come down between the, the, the Big 12 and the ACC. Or do you think uh, ultimately they'll, we can, we'll settle on four? big conferences because I, I think we all can agree that the Pac-12 is almost uh, it's beginning to look like they're on life support yeah I go back and forth on this one the, the trend appears to, to be uh, headed that way yet everything that college football and I use college football in quotes air quotes for those without radio vision but I, I feel <laughs> like college football is trying to do everything in its power to at least give the perception of trying to make parity right so and, and maybe off uh, offset some of that, right? We're expanding the playoffs, and we know it just means more Power Five schools are going to get in, even though everybody's talking about maybe other guys getting shots, right? 
Uh, you know, they started NIL, which is exactly what we always said it was going to be if they did it, which has become a recruiting tool. But it was, you know, it was going to help other schools because now those 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 kids that go to those other schools can can earn money for their name, image, and likeness. And as we know, no one is making money off their name, image, and likeness. It, it's a, it's a branding tool, and and schools are using it for recruiting. Right? The transfer portal was going to help college in, in parity. Right? And even Nick Saban came out and said, "Man, I don't like it, but." You know, all I'm going to do is pluck whatever I need out of it, right? It's like ordering from a menu. I just need what I want and or, or get what I want. And so everything that the college, I think college football tries to do is under the, the umbrella of trying to make parity. But ultimately, it all backfires, and there's unintended consequences uh, in all of those examples I've cited. And ultimately, the rich just get richer. i gotta, I got to ask you to hang on. Can you hang sure. on through a quick? You, you know the business. You do mornings. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a break and pay Lars Anderson when we get back. i got to ask you about the story that you had on hail.com this morning about Cam Newton. So I'm, I'm just kind of oh, okay. confused yeah. with what his point was. It just to a kid? I don't either. You'll, you'll find out about it on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And our guest is Mark Heim from WNSP and Mobile and also from AL.com. And I was uh, doing my morning check. I still call it reading the newspaper, even though it isn't technically. But I read the story about Cam Newton that I'd not heard this story. Um, I think what I'd like to do, Mark, is for you to just kind of handle it because I'll just say this leading in. Um, it is easy for me to say that Cam Newton is cut from different fabric. And I, I mean that literally and figuratively. Look at the way he dresses. But uh, he kind of, did he have it out with a teenage fan? Okay, yeah, so here's what happened. So I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, so over the weekend, he was at an event in New Orleans. There was a, a bunch of teenagers there. He was doing a football-related event. And there is... Uh, there was a video that went viral because he was uh, he confronted a, a heckler who was a teenager, and um, when he confronted him, used a um, 
I guess the word would be crude gesture. Let's just say that. It got caught on video, went and made the social media rounds, and, you know, everybody went berserk like we do it nowadays. So <laughs> on Monday, Cam Newton did a podcast or whatever, and he was kind of giving his narrative of what happened. And so, interestingly enough, he had a videographer with him that showed the whole um, incident play out. So Cam was on the field pretty far away. Kid was just talking trash, right? He was heckling him. Uh, kept asking him who his daddy was. Kid had an LSU shirt on, was talking. He was in New Orleans. So he's a Saints fan. Talking about how the Saints had his number, uh, especially towards the end of his career at Carolina. Well, Cam comes over and starts getting into it with him does the crew gesture and that's the part you see the the part you don't really see in the kids video though is and this is and you see it all cam for lack of a better term started using it as a a teaching moment so he he sat there and he talked to the kid about i brought this i brought you the energy you wanted i matched your energy translation for those are saying the kid was heckling him so he came back and gave that kid all the heckling back at him and he said and then what happened was the kid started questioning him about, man, you're not even supposed to be doing that. You're like, you're supposed to be an all pro and all that. And so Cam's point was, don't play the victim now. Don't bring the heat my way. Ha- want me to match it and then play the victim. And so what he's saying is too many times he's seen people, hecklers, fans, whatever, give off that energy, not knowing uh, they may get what they're asking for. And so you can't have it both ways, he's saying. As a fan, you're free to say whatever you want. It says his issue was don't play the victim after like I'm somehow attacking you. Uh, he's like, basically, you started it um, and I just matched it. So I understand, like I said on my show today, because we were talking about was he in the right or was he in the wrong? Well, I think he had the right idea and goal in mind, but his execution was just horrible. I mean, because if you acknowledge what the heckler is doing then in any way, then you are basically saying it's okay for you to heckle me uh, and then heckling back or getting back at the kid you don't come off very good even if the end game is to, to prove a point so uh it in and for the record it went in one ear and out the other with the kid because he's like i'm gonna let you speak let me finish what i'm trying to explain to you and then the kid was like all right he's like all right what's your what's your question and then the kid's question was who's your daddy so it was like the kid wasn't even listening to him so like I mean, there were other kids there that I think got the message. I, it, you know, take it for what it's worth. Like I said, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I thought, for lack of a better term, I think his uh, the heart was in the right place, but just very poor execution on Cam's part. Uh, sounds to me like he ended up going to the kids' level. Yeah, but, yeah, so, but, I, but, but, but the Mark, Mark, thing Mark, I get this. So this was at a he was at a camp, a kids' camp. Yeah, it was in New Orleans. It's um, it's destroying. Called, uh, yeah, one on one. I'm just wondering, like, does does the kid have a right to heckle Cam Newton at an event that he's giving his time to? Right. I, I'm assuming. Point. I'm assuming Cam wasn't paid to be there. Or, I mean, either way, you, you're right. If if in in you know, this is something we talked about too earlier today. I mean, if if I'm going to see Cam Newton, you know, at least have the decency to, to pay the man some respect. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but this is where we are in the day and age. And, and, and this has been an issue uh, for Cam in the past where he has been, uh, I guess, trolled or uh, guys are kind of going after him a little bit. 
I, which is, might be why he, he, he has a videographer around him, right? So that he can document some of this stuff. But yeah, I, again, I'm, I'm not doing that if I'm a kid. Uh, I, I'm excited to see anybody, whether it's Cam Newton or Drew Brees, if I'm a New Orleans fan, the guy came out with his own. So no, I, I, I think Cam's point is if you, if you want to do that, be prepared for the repercussions. And, and, you know, kid clearly wasn't ready for the repercussions. I can actually see Cam's point. I, I, I really I can. Too. Yeah. I mean, you know, technically, like, by the letter of law, Mark, you, myself, and Matt are all public figures. And if someone just came up and started heckling one of us, like, on, I don't know, at, at an event that we were writing about, yeah, I don't know. All right, let's, you, let's, you know let's, what, Mark? I, I think I think Lars has experienced this, and uh, I have. He thinks I think we've all had a couple of uh, jabs thrown at us, but obviously not to the extent yeah, you have. Anyway, uh, moving on. You get smoked on Twitter every once in a while. Yeah, but but, it, it, but it's different when it's like somebody in your face, like you're just out oh, well, like having a, a uh, well, quiet I mean, time with know, friends. The anonymity. Anomaly oh. of yeah. social media gives people all the power in the world. Say anything they well, want. I'm sure, it's ridiculous. Mark, I'm sure people come after you on social media, right? Sure. From time to time, there's this, you know, there's fan, fans in every sport have just gotten to this point where they just feel entitled. Like, it's their right to do what they're doing. And uh, it's, it's even worse in the NBA, right? Because huh. of the proximity of the fans yeah. in the middle of the game. and It's, it's crazy. And, and, no, fans need to take a step back. I think I think it's fair to assume that athletes and, and high profile figures have to um, deal with a certain level of that. But at what point, and we can do a whole show on it. At what point does, does a fan step over the line? Uh, and at what point does a, an athlete or a high profile personality have the right to turn around and say something back without getting blasted for for doing so? Yeah, uh, gosh, this could be multiple uh, yeah, shows. Yeah, we could we could go on till Friday afternoon <laughs> but, on this, but you know, my rule would generally be uh, just leave it alone, well, just ignore yeah, them. That can be hard to uh, do, because though. when yeah, it can be. Well, especially when they get real personal. Well, you know, that's the only sure. time I've ever really gotten angry is when somebody involved my kids, and that's yeah. when or right the or you kill them with on. kindness. Right, Cam. Cam comes over. Hey guys, man, appreciate y'all coming out. It's awesome for you guys yeah. to be out here. Thanks. It's, it's good to see y'all. Y'all have a good rest of the day. And then gone. Right. All right. Completely new subject here. Uh, I know you don't okay. cover recruiting day in and day out, but uh, yesterday, uh, Chilton County linebacker Demarcus Riddick uh, became the first five-star player to pick Auburn uh, since 2019. And uh, you remember uh, that uh, in, when Hugh Freeze was hired, he said that he was hoping that he would make Alabama a little nervous about the fact that he was now in, uh, in, in, in at Auburn. And, and also just for this uh, for Riddick, I mean, they, Freeze was able to flip him from Georgia and keep him away from Nick Saban. Does this send a message, or is that reading too much into it? Does this send a message no, to it, Nick Saban? In fact, in fact, hold on to your hats, Auburn fans, uh, with this take. I think, and I said this earlier today, and this is a big if, okay? But if Hugh Freeze turns this thing around at Auburn three years, five years, six years from now, 
And when I say that, I mean competing for SEC and national championships. If he's doing that, I think we look back at July 26, 2023 mm. as a pivotal moment in that resurrection of that program. And I, and I compared it to the, the commitment and signing of Julio Jones to Alabama. Nick Saban has mm. often said, he goes back and says, what a pivotal uh, role Julio played in the, now look, Alabama had a hell of a recruiting class that year. So it's a little apples to oranges. I get it. But the idea that you can pull a five-star, by some services anyway, a five-star away from the two-time defending national champion and beat out uh, Alabama, who also, by the way, is one of the great, you know, one of the most successful college football programs in the country. And oh yeah, both are your biggest rivals. And do that in year one, I think speaks volumes of what might come next. And you know, look, Demarcus Riddick may not. I'm not suggesting that he's going to have the same impact that Julio did. But on the field, but to me that wouldn't matter. If that starts a domino effect, if four and five starts turning their heads and start considering Auburn when maybe they wouldn't have because Hugh Freeze has had the ability to pull this kid, I think it could could be that it, it could be that we can look back and look at the potentially the magnitude of that moment. Now it's a big if, I understand, but I think that's the I think that's the enormity of what they did yesterday. I, I think you're on to something because if you do go back and look at the recruitment of Julio Jones, he was committed to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma, oh, by the way, had a quarterback named Sam Bradford who was going to go on to win the Heisman Trophy and throw it for a gazillion yards and be the number one overall pick. And Saban was able to flip him at the last second. Yeah. And that, to me, that's what changed everything. I mean, I, I've said that many times. What you just said is is that that Julio Jones, by far and away, is the most single most important figure of the Nick Saban era of all the players. And um, it will be fascinating to see if, if this has that same sort of impact on, on the program. But I don't know, do you have much background with Hugh Freeze? Uh, what do you know about him as a recruiter? Oh, you know, not much more than anybody else that he, other than that, he's in, very good, very good at it. And, um, it certainly uh, wins wherever he goes, not not only on the field but in the recruiting trail. I mean, kids love him. I mean, he says all the right things. His 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 uh, the way in which he approaches guys, uh, from everything I've been told, is 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 as good as anybody. Um, and so, you know, when you couple that with the idea that you're building something. I don't want to say from the ground up, but essentially from the ground up, as opposed to just being the latest brick in a foundation of success, that appeals to some kids. You know, I mean, why? Why? It's like an air. If y'all saw the movie about the Michael Jordan shoes, well, why go? Why go to Converse and be just another Magic Johnson or Larry Bird when you can go to Nike and be the only Michael Jordan? Right? I'm not. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination comparing Auburn, Alabama to those. You know, or, or Demarcus Reddick, but you understand my point. Like, go, go, be you uh, at a place where you will truly be appreciated for the greatness that you have. You know, my big takeaway from SEC media days was that Hugh Freeze was just excellent. 
Just excellent. Yeah. He was he was humble. He was honest, forthright. Uh, he really appeared to be a changed man from the six years uh, prior to when he last appeared at SEC Media Days. Do you have any other, uh, just looking back on it before we wrap a bow on all of SEC Media Days, any like one or two big takeaways? From SEC Media Days? I, yeah. I, well, I agree. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Hugh Freeze was really good. Uh, he certainly handled the whole OC question a lot better than Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher is just a mess over there. But he said, look, Philip Montgomery's my guy. He's going to make those calls. He's like, I may step in like any head coach would be. He seemed relaxed, open to, a- to answering any question you might have on any topic, which I think is the right way to, to approach it. I, I-, I think he is. Uh, he certainly won. He-, he was one of those guys that kind of won the day. Uh, I-, I guess what I got most, of course, Lane Kiffin, uh, certainly went in with an agenda. I think most of us thought that Nick Saban, he always has some sort of agenda, for lack of a better term. It kind of has a negative connotation, but uh, a theme he wanted to get across. He didn't do that. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, Eli Drinkowitz has got to stop filibustering. It's a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> I thought Kirby Smart really did a, did well. And I and I think Nick Saban has gotten more relaxed in, in, in his age about cake in Italy and <laughs> pregame playlists. So all in all, it's really turned into the Super Bowl media day spectacle that we're so used to for the big game in the NFL. His favorite is carrot cake. So yeah, everybody write that down. Great that we Thank know you that. one for your birthday. Um, so disappointing, too, by the way. <laughs> no, cake. I know. Yeah. I do not like carrot cake. All right, what the heck? What's your favorite cake? Just straight up vanilla. Well, you, all right, yeah. what, what yeah, about you, Mark? Uh, I'm, if it's not chocolate, it's not dessert. Let me just throw that out. It's kind of like food. If it's not fried, it ain't cooked. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go chocolate cake. Uh, hey, uh, I want you to give our best wishes to Michael Bronner. He was our producer for quite some time, and I understand he's on the WNSP staff. Is that correct? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, I don't know. I think, you know, uh, yeah, the Patriots are great. <laughs> yeah, that was my best Michael Bronner. <laughs> but, yeah, I will certainly, uh, yeah, I will certainly relay the message. One of my yeah. former students. I love yeah, him. He's a good guy. <laughs> hey, you've been a great guest. We won't make it so, yeah, such a long time great. between phone calls. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Hey, enjoy it. You guys have a good weekend. All Thank right. you. You too. Um, need to have Mark on more often. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, did he bolt out of the gate like Secretariat or what? <laughs> hey, uh, we got more to talk about. Uh, I want to talk some NFL things involving former Alabama players that I'm quite intrigued by. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker 
who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, just a small chance of a shower or storm through the evening hours. A high today, 98, the low tonight, 75. Tomorrow and Saturday, partly sunny both days with isolated afternoon storms. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Big Noon Sports. Really terrific stuff with Mark Heim. Uh, appreciate his interview and uh, want to remind everybody it was brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. And what we were talking about is going to be with us here in about 10 minutes. Can we sit right over here? Yep. Uh, good. Good to see you again. Um, just another note on the follow-up of being heckled. Being, what, what do they call in social media? Trolled? Yeah. Is, is that, um, I was just listening to James Mann do the weather. Some guy on social media just absolutely slammed him this morning. James <laughs> gets James, a lot of hate. And why? I have no idea. Um, but James did something that uh, I thought was very cool. He took this guy's post and and he put it in, you know, a, like a legible, readable form so he could put it underneath his social media. And he said, good morning to everyone but this guy. <laughs> and then he put it all out there. More and more uh, reporters are doing that where if they get attacked with uh, – you know, uh, personal stuff or racist or, you know, whatever that is just particularly vile, they'll just repost it and say, hey, everybody. Uh, you know who's doing that now? And I admire her for it. Who's that? Carol Robinson. Yeah. You were talking about somebody Boy, just Carol, absolutely Carol's gets been, hate. Yeah, stuff. she does. And it's ridiculous. Carol is so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. What is she, the long, longest, longest, longest tenured crime reporter? Uh, print crime reporter in America and just does an outstanding job. Yeah, and the fact that, that people give her a hard time is disgusting. Uh, it is. Well, and, and she's just such a, a sweet person, too. Like, if you knew her personally, you would never do any of this. Absolutely. I, just, I, mean, I don't get it. Uh, I don't either. No, that's on a different level with us. And by the way, it's beneath us. Yeah. Those people are. Um, and I'll say that without reservation. Well, if uh, there were any doubt, and was there, who would be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? I think Wright said this how many times? But, I mean, it was like yesterday during camp, what did he do, just hold up a sign or something? This guy's number one. But it, what was his quote at this point? He's a grown man. He's an adult. He can handle this. Now, while 
he was on a national platform, obviously. Um, I think the world is about to find out what we've known for the last three years is that Bryce Young is a very talented, high football IQ guy. And I don't know if he necessarily changes the Panthers in a year, but he, uh, by all accounts, he has just looked terrific the first few days of training camp and, and you see a lot of different videos of him, uh, just hitting big throw after big throw. And, um, and, you know, I think it's really good too that he has Andy Dalton there to be a mentor type figure because Dalton has been in the league so long and he's seen everything. And, and, uh, I think it's just a really, really good, uh, a good situation for uh, Bryce Young to be in and I would not be surprised at all if he comes out and just plays at a high level and uh, and is the uh, is really you know is, is rookie of the year I mean he just he looks so good and um, and he's already it looks like he, he is uh, found a, a favorite target in Adam Ad, Adam Thielen, who was with the uh, Minnesota Vikings for uh, uh, for many years, and he's just a good veteran wide receiver. And um, you know, they that would the people at Carolina are and the reporters who cover uh, the Panthers are finding out is what we have known here in Alabama for a while that Bryce Young absolutely can make any throw you want him to make. And his vision is unbelievable. His pocket movement is off the charts. I mean, he's a so he's such a special player, and it, it is still hard for me to believe that he did not win a national championship at Alabama because he may very well have been the best player overall of the Saban era. The best, the best player, player, the most impactful. Right, uh, Julio Jones. Julio Jones is probably the best player. Yeah, but, but you go, Derrick Henry was very impactful. Well, that's true. He had <laughs> I mean, a lot of scrimmage, had like sixty-five carries. Oh, I think it was thirty-five. That, but man. that's worth having a beer over because you could just go, "Who is the greatest player in the Nick Saban era?" Uh, I appreciate Justin bringing this to my attention. Breaking news: I find this very interesting. But I looked up Paige Dower from WVLT TV eight in Knoxville, former. Head coach Jeremy Pruitt has been hired as a PE teacher at Plainville High School, Plainview in Alabama. Well, stay active. You got to move on with your life. Um, We all make mistakes. I wonder if Plainview is like up in that area. He's from the Rainsville, Fort Payne, Mentone area. Mm -hmm. He's from up in that area. I've got to look up and see exactly where Plainview is, but. I'm wondering, do you guys think that's his foray back into coaching? It's going to be a high school coach again over there? Well, he, you know, he was very successful. I mean, he was the D coordinator for Hoover for all those championships. Um, so, uh, you know, this guy, that, that, it makes me think this guy must really like to try and teach. Because uh, I'm certain is you know he got he's got money. Oh, right? he's got plenty I mean, of money. It's not like he needs to get in the Alabama retirement system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, very interesting stuff. 
right. Uh, it's more than just Bryce we have to talk about. Several other Alabama players in the NFL that we're going to get into on the other side of the break. Uh, also, Laura Lee Thompson is going to be here in just a couple of minutes. We'll hear from Trent Dilfer. And, um, also coming on is Chris Schmidt. He'll give us a live Big Ten update. Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. More Big Noon Sports coming up. First of all, Lars, thank you. Justin, thank you. I'm Matt Coulter. As we get back in into the program here, you know, a lot more talk about the NFL. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, Marley Thompson, the Bama broker. How are you today? I'm wonderful. We got a live mic here? This one, that one. Push this one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There we go. All right. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so Laura Lee, how are you dealing with this heat? <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of videos on my social media have been talking about how hot it is. Showing houses in the heat is not a whole lot of fun, but especially when you go into the vacant houses and their temperature is way up. Yeah. <laughs> and then you walk outside and it's the same temperature. <laughs> So, uh, speaking of the heat, um, let's say I have a friend who's looking for a lake house. Are lake houses, is this a good time of year to buy a lake house? Do you want to be buying it sort of the near the end of summer? 
and and what is the market look like just in the in the Tuscaloosa area? Well, the end of summer, uh, during the summer and spring, we have the most inventory on the market. Uh, June statistics just came out. Some people may have seen them nationally. Of course, we're a little bit different here in Tuscaloosa. We're looking at um, lake houses, of course, are going to be on the very high side because there's only so much property. And the builders are just starting to build again. So we have very, very low inventory. It's at, right now, it's at 2.3 months, which is the highest that we've had. Uh, June, a year ago, it was 1.9 months. So what that means is we have enough houses to sell for two months. Um, we're looking at 18 days on the market, a median price of 260 Um Now, not on the lake. <laughs> Lake Tuscaloosa is a hot commodity. Don't a lot of people, maybe particularly in this area, not just have a lake house, but that's their home. Yes. I mean, well, Nick Saban's a good example. You may be a great example. I don't know. I don't live on the lake, but my parents do. So I grew up on the lake. What are some of the areas that right now are really popular or like you're telling me this 2.3 that have places? Can you, can you right. get specific or are we giving, well, when you're are we giving at, away information we shouldn't? No, no. These are statistics that uh, when I'm talking with my buyers, so we had in June new listings. We only had 363 houses in the entirety of price range new listings that's extremely low um you know and with interest rates where they are they're really where we were pre-covid in 2019 is that is what suppressing the market is the um the the high interest rates well the not yes and no because people still have to buy but it's also the fact that people who bought at 3% aren't moving unless they have to. Okay. Um, let's say I am a first-time home buyer, potential first-time home buyer. Is now a good time of the year to be looking? And also when I reach out to you, um uh, either calling your cell or your website uh, email. Um, what what are you going to do like right away? Like what? How, how do you treat a, a first time client? What do, what do you, do you meet with them to try to get yes. like their expectations, goals? Yes, we call that a buyer consultation. Um, yes, I want you to come in my office and we're going to talk a little bit about what you're looking for. And your price range, I'm going to show you what's available. If you do not have a lender, we need to get that going right away because you you can't look for a house if you don't know what your price range is. I want to go a little deeper <clears throat> and not to get negative about it, but into what the interest rates are doing. When there was just another raise, right? Right. <clears throat> Yesterday? Right. Um, what does a home buyer need to take into account when it comes to that? And, and trying to look down the, in the crystal ball and see what it's going to do. 
Well, without going stepping on lenders' toes, essentially, the higher the rate goes and the Fed, when the Fed raises the rate, that's only indirect to what the lender's rate is. So uh, lender's rates are on the 10-year Treasury bond. So, And, of course, that trades daily. So it goes up and down, changes every day. But what it means with that, the rates today of um, being in the high sixes, and it depends on the loan, the type of loan that you get, you can afford less house than you could at 3%. Um, I have a friend who just recently bought a house, and it turns out to be an absolute lemon. There's so much stuff wrong with it. Um, I know that you're really good at just sort of eyeballing uh, when you walk into a house, if there's going to be major issues, and also just with along with that, how important is the the home inspection process? And very, very, very important. And in fact, if you don't get a home inspection, which is your choice, I make you sign a waiver. I mean, there are people uh, at the height too. of the market. People were buying stuff without inspections, yes, correct? Yes, it it's, happened. It's crazy. But you had to have one. No. Really? No, not unless your lender requires. Okay. There are lender-required repairs for certain loans, and that's why you were seeing during COVID when it was crazy that sellers wanted conventional loans or cash. Because FHA has guidelines, USDA, VA, they all have guidelines. Uh, conventional has the least of them. And most people, a lot of people, uh, get conventional loans. Now, the FHA loans, um, that's 3.5% down, so it's a lot less money. Uh, but the rate, and the rate can be better but you're also paying mortgage insurance the entire time you have that FHA loan. Whereas with a conventional loan at 80%, it goes away, you know, 20, when you have 20% equity. Is there, um, one or two neighborhoods that seem to be a, like a, a hot place to look right now? Uh, if you were hoping that, you know, it's a, maybe a, a transitional neighborhood that it could be a good investment for you if you are willing to stay in the home for 10 years or so? Well, you know, they're not right now. The hot neighborhood is the one that has a house for sale. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is with uh, very little inventory on the market. You are, it is what it is. I know when we bought our house eight years ago, um, I liked the neighborhood. It was in the right location. It wasn't my favorite house, but there was nothing else on the market. So yeah. we bought it. It's the same thing except worse. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I have to write that down. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be one of our kickers here before long. I'm doing this interview in reverse because one of the things I really wanted you to break down for us is define the role of a broker. Well, as I happen to have my associate broker's license, which is a step above the realtor's license, you have to have been a realtor a while before you can get that license. Um, 
So this is really for all people who are realtors as your role is, of course, to match the buyer and the seller. But today, buyers can go online and look at the websites and see the houses that um, are interesting to them. That's the easy part. So people think, oh, well, we just show houses. Well, that's not it. It's the contract to close part that's everything behind the scenes, all the negotiating. You must have really good negotiating skills in this business or you will get eaten alive. Hence your Wall Street experience. Great minds think alike. Yeah, that comes from being on Wall Street. Yes, absolutely. What exactly did you, did you do on Wall Street? I was an equity sales trader, which means I traded stocks. I was on the institutional side, which means I only dealt with professional traders. I did not trade for you and me and Joe Consumer. It was more mutual funds, pension funds. You know, um, I would talk to traders from, say, Goldman Sachs when they needed to do a trade. Banks can't be on the same side of the trade, so they would have to call another bank to do the trade. So that's what I did. Big, big money trades. More importantly, weren't you also the the head of like the Alabama group in New York? Absolutely. Park Avenue Country Club, I believe, Park Avenue Country Club. Yeah, it's a bar on Park Avenue and 24th Street or so. Yes, I brought our group. I was the president of the Alabama Alumni Association in New York City. Cool. And we also started the SEC alumni group. And as even as the alumni for Alabama, we grew that because when I joined, it was a lot of older people. And at that time, I was in my 20s, so I was able to reach the younger sect. And then all of a sudden, we were doing these game-watching parties, which they didn't do before, and it was... I mean, we were a huge group. It's like being back in Alabama in the middle of New York City. Yes. Because <laughs> you're just surrounded by all uh, people from the state here. Right. Our people. <laughs> so it, it was a great way to meet other Alabama people. And then when we started the SEC alumni, uh, just being around a lot of Southern people up in New York City was awesome. So it was great to have that different sector of friends. Uh, this is for both of y'all because you both lived in, in New York. But uh, I found in my trips there, you know, you've got Alabama graduates in New York. A right? lot and, of them. And, and that's where you're pulling your parties from. But I found there are a lot of native New York people that just love Alabama. And uh, did they get to come to your party too? No. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to talk. You have to know the secret handshake to get in. Well, yes. So, of course, many of us had friends um, from, in fact, at the time my boyfriend went uh, was a Kentucky graduate. So, he would come occasionally. But, yes, I mean, there were some, and they would always come over and speak. I mean, the, the country club, the bar that we went to was huge, but there were a lot of SEC groups in there, too. Which is where LSU we, was there. Yes, yeah. which is where we all decided, hey, we should start this group, and I was the president of that. 
um, the first two years, and we would have different events throughout, usually like three or four events throughout the year. You're also about ready to ascend to the throne of another group. Can I mention that? Sure. All right, yeah, the, the Red <laughs> Elephant Club, right? You're about to be the, the, the president of that, correct? Right. I'm president-elect of the Red Elephant Club, which means I'm I'm waiting one more year. So the current president, we, we served two terms as president, and this is his second year. And so the next year following next August will be when I actually become the president. Will you keep me on the speakers list, please? Absolutely. <laughs> I just got an email from the Red Elephants Club to, uh, to speak too. this year. Yeah. Um, um, what are the primary responsibilities as president? It seems like a lot of logistics that you have to work out. It's a well-oiled machine. And now that we have the Bright Star coming in to uh, do the catering, it's even easier. So that's exciting. Bright Star, wasn't that uh, Bear Bryant, one of Bear Bryant's yes. Yes. His own little room, his own little table, and um, their, their, their great snapper is just, their, their snapper throats uh, are just, that it's one. You've not been there. I have. I have. Oh, you have? Yes. I I just remember, I think I ordered a, like a a margarita, and it was bigger than my head. (laughs) (laughs) Great start to any meal, isn't it? That's right. (laughs) Yeah, I was up there uh, last month and had the stuffed snapper. Oh, my gosh. It was divine. Of course, they have homemade pies, too. Oh, and it's just so cozy and southern and, and everything that's right about a restaurant. And it's not that far from here. No, no, and you know, especially, I, what I've done often is is go for lunch. It's, you oh, know, it's a it's, huge it's, lunch oh, crowd. Oh, the lunch crowd's unbelievable. Um, but you can also save a nickel by yes. going to lunch. Laura Lee, how do people get in touch with you? Well, they can call me on my cell at 205-790-7229. Uh, go to my website at thebamabroker.com. Those are the two easiest ways to... Get hold of me. Of course, you can call Advantage Realty and ask for me <laughs> as well. Uh, Advantage is a great company. I love working there. And, in fact, my mother used to co-own that with the current broker. Well, the current owner broker, his dad. Uh, so it's a legacy and a place I love. It's a great company. What year did your mom start selling real estate in Let's see, um, late 70s. Okay, so. When the interest rates were 18% and 20%, she sold houses and was the realtor of the year uh, her first year. Wonderful well. Jimmy Carter era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have big shoes to fill in real estate carrying the Thompson name. Good for you, and you do it well. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for coming in. And, really uh, appreciate being a sponsor it. of the show. All right, thanks. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll get back at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk to uh, your man, Chris Schmidt. Yep. We'll go do some Big Ten football for you as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. 
She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Point nine, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, just a small chance of a shower or storm through the evening hours. A high today, 98, the low tonight, 75. Tomorrow and Saturday, partly sunny both days with isolated afternoon storms. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 95 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Get a great deal on Kubota M-Series. Jacobs, what's the latest on him? He's still holding out. He's a franchise player. Uh, how does that work out? Or, or your opinion on what Josh is doing there, Justin? You know, I, I really feel bad for these NFL running backs because it's not so much anything that they could do. It's not so much um, the the Players Association's fault. I, I talked with Gary Harris earlier this week how – you can get somebody who is cheaper and can do the same job. Um, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I was doing some numbers. It's $14,000 a yard um, with his stats from this past season. It's just hard to, to justify paying that much for those guys. And there are, like you just said, um, locker rooms full of running backs. Really good one. Because, you, you know, you can find one at um, Louisiana Tech that's almost as good as the ones running in the SEC. And then, and you you nailed this, and then for their purpose and their role in the NFL, they're almost equal. Catch the ball out of the backfield, be able to get you three. And then now, you know, they're specified. You got third down backs and first down backs and all that kind of stuff. But what does Josh end up doing? Is he going to... Yeah, Right now, uh, he's, you know, there's rumors that he was seen on a plane leaving Las Vegas and that he will potentially hold out. That's, you know, still millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars he misses out on. Um, and to add to your point, Matt, uh, talking with Corey Miller the other day, you got receivers in the backfield now. You look at the 49ers, they utilize Debo Samuel just as if they would a, a speedy uh, receiving back. They, there's no need to go get a running back when you have such athletic guys now in the league. You can plug and play wherever you want. And, and kind of the the way y'all were saying yesterday with Shohei Otani being a two players in one, yeah. it's kind of the same thing in the NFL. And uh, I like the way the 49ers use Debo. Did you think <clears throat> in his days in South Carolina he would be this good in the NFL, this valued? 
no way. I there's no way I could have thought that. Um, he, he was barely even on my radar when he was at South Carolina. Um, I think it it's just a a point to how incredible the play calling is in San I, Francisco. Do you not? I think the same thing's true with McCaffrey because um, boy, and it's just like Shohei. It's just like Otani. Um, when you broaden your skill set, you're more valuable. Um, I don't think it's to this point now, but he, Josh's not the only one. Derrick Henry's spoken up about it, other running backs. Um, and I can't think of, of another position that the situation is similar. And it makes me think, you know, if you've got great speed as a running back, um, maybe you should just go to college and become a wide receiver. That might be the answer, especially after we saw Saquon take his deal. That's kind of stirred the pot, definitely. Well, um, he was very undervalued, was he not? Yeah, it, it's yeah. um incredible. And the, and the thing is, yeah, yeah, and the thing is too, when you have a career year, you're actually hurting your future value. Because you are, you are basically, uh, the, how the NFL executives interpret that is there's fewer carries left in your body. It's strange. It, it, it's like the better you do, uh, the least like, less likely you are to receive that big second contract. I mean, how in the world does, did Josh Jacobs not get a long-term contract after leading the NFL in rushing, all-purpose yards, etc. Well, and I bet you, Lars, the Raiders are regretting not putting that fifth-year option on him before he uh, uh, last year when they decide not to. And then there's James Williams. James West Williams. The hell? Um, he is injured again. Did you read that? Got a leg injury. Um, and of course he's got, he's under suspension now, is he not? You're gonna have to end up, um, six games, something like that for the gambling issue? Yeah, the gambling issue, uh, four or six games. I think six. I think you're right. Um, I believe it was not just a minor injury, especially with him missing games. He's, it's not too much of a worry for the is. Lions, but missing him in general because that suspension is gonna be tough for them. Gosh. Yeah. He's such a huge piece of what the Lions can be this upcoming season you know they're a sexy pick to win uh the nfc north and um and they need jameson as that deep threat for golf and the corner you were talking about earlier this week is uh, i think he's already back they thought he was gonna he had uh, torn his acl oh yeah the safety well yeah. some, some other breaking news with the cornerback position um i believe jalen ramsey was carted off from Dol- dolphins practice mm. today uh with a, an apparent knee injury i've not seen any updates on that man hate to hear all these injuries so early in camp but you know you got guys that they're, they're doing seven on sevens right now and uh it's not you know full contact but there is contact there's definitely contact well, that happens. Any time you can cut, you can. And you're going you fast, and you can. Yep. Well, especially. What does Jameson run? A, a four two? Yeah. Four two five. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, as we speak, I'm getting live updates from Green Bay. It just so happens that the bass player in our church band is a huge Packers fan. He's up there. He's giving me guess guess who updates? Alex, Alex Magoo. Magoo. I just got a picture of him standing in the pocket here, looking good. 
Um, my buddy, Barry, said that um, LaFleur had already talked highly of him and how well prepared he was physically and mentally. And by the way, it's kind of tough to do after you just played 12 professional football games. Yeah, in the USFL, the MVP, by far and away the best player in the league, leads the Stallions to their second straight championship. The guy's just a winner, and I would be, I'd be shocked if he at least doesn't make it onto the practice squad, but I think he's got a legit chance to be the backup there, um, to, uh, to, uh, love. Uh, other notes, Anders Carlson looks good. Means absolutely nothing, though, when the pressure's on. <laughs> it says the dude does have a cannon. Uh, so, it's practice. Uh, we you take a break. You can get your buddy on here. Yeah, Chris Schmidt, who uh, covers the Big Ten uh, based out of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and he is in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. So we are going to go over the major storylines that are unfolding out of Indy as we speak. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. What? Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very hot afternoon, just a small chance of a shower or storm through the evening hours. A high today, 98, the low tonight, 75. Tomorrow and Saturday, partly sunny both days with isolated afternoon storms. Highs between 96 and 99. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 99 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Really interesting news that surprised me in Major League Baseball. But before we get to that, I want to ask you guys a quick question because it came up in conversation yesterday when I used the phrase, there is no joy in Mudville. Now, Justin, have you ever heard that term and do you know what it means? I can assume what it means, but I I can't say I've heard, so it, heard you, it before. You don't know what? Okay. You don't know what it comes from. Lars? Uh, it has to do with minor league baseball. Uh, <laughs> you a, are it's a poem. Cheating. It's a poem. You are cheating, man. Mighty Casey has struck out. Oh. That surprises me. Because <laughs> during in my generation, if you say that, 
people know exactly what you mean. He struck out. They played in Mudville, and there was no joy because he whiffed. So, I guess uh, there so are probably a, four or five people driving a, around that's listening a, to this. That's the poetry of baseball. Yeah, it is. It's good okay. stuff. One day I'm actually going to take that and sharpen up and For read Mud, it. So Mudville is the home team in right. this uh, situation by that is, or this poem crafted by Ernst Lawrence Thayer. 1863 to 1940. Yeah. This is date of I mean, this is that's around late 1800s. My goodness, that's that's when baseball was in literally its infancy. Okay, it is not Boy, now. It's a, it is a mighty long poem. It might take nine innings to read the poem. Uh, <laughs> quite funny. <laughs> uh, we have been talking about Otani for a while. He's a good topic, pitcher, slugger, and it looked like before the trade deadline. California is probably going to let him go to, uh, I thought the Dodgers, uh, when we were on with Mick Gillespie yesterday, he thought that too. And then there are other large market teams that were in the running for him. But lo and behold, California said, nah, it's not happening. We're going to keep him. Now, I'm surprised by that, Lars. I'm really surprised. Um, all signs pointed to them trading him because it doesn't appear, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're not going to be able to resign him to uh, the, the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. Uh, and who knows, does he want to resign with the Angels, given the fact that they have never made the playoffs with him? But and you could get so many players if you decide so many prospects if you decide to trade him. But um, now that the Angels have won six of their last seven, suddenly, you know, you're going to make a decision that is going to impact your franchise for, for the next years. years just because in the last week and a half, you've won a few games. I don't know if this is the right move or not, but but clearly they uh, the Angels are are buyers and not sellers because they uh, acquired a, a couple of pitchers and and uh, yeah a couple of pitchers from from who uh, the White Sox and um, and they gave away some prospects that they have so I think that what the, the the front office is likely thinking is that this is going to be our best shot to make the playoffs in the foreseeable future. So we may as well go all in, even though it could cost us long term because we are not going to be able to get anything in return for Oatani. Well, <clears throat> or maybe they make it more attractive for him to sign, to resign. I don't know. Yeah, but if you're going to resign, aren't you going to get a better team? I mean, uh, t tip of the ball cap for them saying, all right, maybe we're going to make a run for it. But let me count them here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams in the American League with better records. Yeah. So um, I don't know if the Angels are making a mistake. I would think right now his value in what you can get from other teams' farm systems would be astronomical. 
All right, welcome in to the show, Chris Schmidt, who is a radio host in Lincoln, Nebraska, and has been covering the Big Ten for years and years, and is currently at Big Ten Media Days in Indy. Chris, thanks for carving out some time. I know you're really busy. How are you doing today? Lars, good to spend time with you, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, just excited to, you know, wrap up day two. You know how media days go. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Um, okay, so is the big story today, uh, PJ Fleck and his response to the allegations that were levied against the program, uh, the, the, uh, the Fleck Bank and, and all that mm-hmm. good stuff? Well, I mean, Fleck was... At, at the main podium or stage rather and then a, a sidebar podium and each time he was asked about it he addressed it he touched on drug testing he touched on where the program's at he touched on the the fact that you're not going to get positive reviews if somebody's removed from a program and I think this stems back from you remember that he had just uh, a monster roster turnover. We're talking 40 plus, I think is the number I remember from 2017, 2018, when he first got to Minnesota. I mean, he flipped that roster something fierce. And that's where a lot of these stem from. Uh, he also went into pretty explicit detail with the parameters of how and uh, where you can anonymously report like the complaint box sign up here and it goes directly to the athletic director uh, with the athletic director's personal contact information on it so whatever you think of pj fleck whether he wears you out maybe you respect his win total uh, the fact that he's got a megaphone in practice and and he he can be kind of screaming down so it's 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 the mother of all surround sounds and just imagine pj fleck's voice telling you to run that play again well i i find him believable and i think you've got uh, a lot of college athletes that that have freedom and they should and that's wonderful but uh, if just because you don't like something doesn't mean you go try and end somebody's career and you just have a lot of that going on in college Football uh, is my humble opinion with that. But I believe what Flex said. And, yeah, he's absolutely not for everybody. But I think you find that out pretty quick. And if you've been around sports and coverage, stud players and star players may have a little bit more uh, airspace, so to speak, than somebody who's not at that level yet. That's just kind of the, the, the way of the world. Chris, there seems to be sort of two uh, lines of thought when it comes to Jim Harbaugh and the fact that uh, you know he's negotiating what looks to be a four-game suspension to uh, open the season, stemming from the fact that he lied to NCAA investigators. On one side, you have people saying, well, you know what? He did the exact same thing that Jim Trestle did, and Jim Trestle got fired. On the other side, you have people saying that this is just uh, absolutely ridiculous, that the NCAA is just on, on a witch hunt, and they don't know what they're doing. Where, where do you fall and and where where what are your colleagues uh saying about about uh coach harbaugh when you guys are uh you know having a cocktail or two at night here's what we all think about harbaugh 
not surprising that he's doing extra, right? That, that's Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and he's kind of an old-school throwback meat and potatoes coach, and uh, he's going to he's gonna try and outwork the other guy despite how good he's been. So that isn't surprising. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, Your Honor, <laughs> well, you got not the whole truth from, from Jim Harbaugh. Difference being is we're talking contact and practice versus impermissible goods and services and a bunch of stuff that's now legal in the NIL was not with Trestle during his departure. I think that was back in 2011. Yeah, 2011. So different era, different time. So uh, different fruit tree, apples, oranges, a little bit. So I'm not surprised at these accusations. You can't lie to the NCAA, but I don't know that it was just a blatant cover-up attempt by Harbaugh, or at least if, if it was, he didn't get uh, busted as bad. So Harbaugh's a pretty intense guy, and he is somebody that uh, is going to do everything in his power to, to make his team as good as they can be, and, and he's going to put the extra work in, COVID or not. I think was probably his thought process. Hey, Chris, it's Matt Coulter, Lars's partner. Uh, concerning Harbaugh, uh, through the eyes of a media, is he a likable guy? I just think he's quirky. I mean, I've heard a lot of different <laughs> things. I mean, and I've been around him. He's either you, you can think he's a whack job because he'll show up one year at media days because he's got, you know, cleats and, and his Michigan hat on with a suit. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> hey, hey, Tre this this happened like I think a couple of years ago. This is the first year Treb was here. So Treb's here as Nebraska's athletic director, and they were teammates on the Colts because Jim uh, Harbaugh's mm -hmm. uh, name is just behind me on the Ring of Honor. And so, hey, Trev, are you here for the uh, the Ring of Honor? He's like, no, Jim, I'm the AD at Nebraska. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, oh my God! Uh, so, so that's so that's just Harbaugh. You've got to be kidding just, me. No, he didn't know I, I, that Trev Alberts was the I, athletic director at Nebraska. What do you envision Harbaugh doing in the off season? He's in the woods. He's wearing a flannel and he's probably shooting at squirrels, right? I mean, that's that's what I think he does in his downtime. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know, but he's just he's just intense. He's his own guy, and he, <laughs> you know he's drinking whole milk and eating steak. <laughs> See there, I'm not the only one yeah. who finds that incredibly. That's funny. Oh, we just talked about this he, yesterday. <laughs> no, he's no, he's he's just he's just Jim. He's quirky. And people that I know in the coaching, yeah, people in the in the coaching profession. I would lean quirky, not whack job. I just think he's <laughs> he's just wired different, and he's a hell of a good coach. And his lines of scrimmage kill your team. I mean, that's he's good, really good. And well, yeah, um, they've they've handed it to our Huskers uh, quite a few times. Uh, is is Michigan the favorite in your mind to repeat? It seems like it's a three horse race: Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and the Big Ten this year. It is, and I mean, you've got Michigan that is so good on the lines of scrimmage. Think about what he did, and he did this in San Francisco. When you got McNamara, you got McCarthy, and he made a change at quarterback. But just like he did in San Francisco, you got Alex Smith that takes you to the NFC Championship game. But he's like, I think Cap could be really good in that that pistol 
zone read element when he was in San Francisco, got him to a Super Bowl. While he's still winning 12 games, he makes a change at quarterback on the quarterback that just got you 12 wins, just like Saban, right? Just like Nick did with uh, going with the, um, the the dual threat quarterback versus the you know pro style quarterback. Uh, when they're at their heights, they're still tweaking; they're not settling. So I look at at Michigan as a team that is going to be big and bad on the offensive line again. They're going to be really good defensively. He's also still getting high-level talent, but he's not chasing every five and four-star from IMG or or wherever. He did that, I think, in his third year in the program, and that's when some of the problems started where they did not live up to expectations. And coincidentally, guys were NFL caliber, yes, but they were also choosing to sit out bowl games. So I think you're getting more of a personality fit, and he's reassessed that. Ohio State's incredible. We were just talking about Ryan Day's presence, and he's just, he's not as commanding, I would say, as a, as a Harbaugh. You know, that, that coaching, air quote, presence when you walk into a room. Day's really damn good, incredible at quarterback development, but can, can Ohio State kind of regain their physicality? That's where they've been great. They'll have the talent there on the lines of scrimmage, but do they have the, the nasty in them? And they need to get that back, otherwise they're in trouble. Penn State, could have the best line, offensive line in the in the, uh, the Big Ten, and if that's true, to protect the five-star quarterback and Alar with their one-two punch at running back, Penn State could not only make a run for the for the East, but make a run for a second place in a playoff spot. So, watch that Ohio State Penn State game. I know Michigan Ohio State's what circled. Penn State is kind of forgotten about. Jim uh, uh, Franklin's in year ten, so uh, he's. He's really good, and they've got a loaded loaded room. I think Fickle and Wisconsin are probably your your pick in the West, and that makes sense. 18 starters back, Braylon Allen at running back, and then they got the Mordecai kid out of SMU. So they're going to try and go a little more air raid, which is crazy to say, but still have a run game ability with a defense. And Iowa should be better with uh, with uh, McNamara at, uh, at quarterback uh, because, well, they needed quarterback play. Yeah, they the worst quarterback, quarterback play in the country last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so finish out with Nebraska. Uh, I know you had a chance to sit hey. down with uh, Coach Rule. Uh, just your thoughts on the team that you cover day in and day out. I think their chemistry is really good. I know they're picked fifth, six and six, and probably a bowl game. I think they got a chance, Lars, to, to be a great wild card. I think the talent is there to be that wild card and wild card to me means you could surprise eight wins maybe eight and five and um and and be in it in november if your quarterback stays healthy because if sims can stay healthy he's put on enough weight where he can mess with you on those third down improv plays he can be a a a part of the run game that's sprinkled in and I think the running backs are, are really, really talented. That room's really good. The offensive line's doubled down on, on their efforts. And there's some same-page mentality, finally, with what Nebraska wants to be. And I'm thinking they'll be kind of a, a pro-style spread, if that makes sense. Think back to Ohio State with their nasty on the offensive line when they had Zeke running the football. So uh, I think Nebraska could be good. We'll see if the defense comes around uh, in theory what they want to do in that 335 will be great but it still could take some time and 
We just don't know if they've got the depth or the horses yet in that front three slash four to be uh, effective. Uh, you're, you've been waiting on some guys that have been in the program to be uh, really good on, on the, the defensive line. If, if it all comes together, uh, you have a great opportunity for momentum against Minnesota. To get Minnesota first rather than game five or game eight is incredible. So that there's a window there. Then you go play Dion and, and the Buffs, and they're not going to be very good, but it's still going to be rivalry fever pitch. That'll be an awesome atmosphere in Boulder. So no, Nebraska's got a chance. If, if they can get to Michigan uh, three and one, I think that's that's nice because Michigan's the, uh, the, the end of September, and, and then you'll know. Are they three and two getting blown out by Michigan, getting dominated physically by Michigan? Do they upset Michigan? They almost did two years ago with that team that went to the playoff. So the difference going to be the uh, the coaching and the attention to detail. Nebraska has that right finally in a head coach. You mentioned Colorado and uh, Coach Prime, and they're obviously in the news today because it's... Yeah, uh, the U-Haul's out with, yeah. the, uh, with the baton, don't they? Yeah, so y- your thoughts on Colorado moving from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, and does this end... Is this the end or the beginning of the end, I should say, of the Pac-12. What's the Pac-12 going to be, right? I mean, you've got a, a good program now with Coach Smith at, at Oregon State. But Colorado is going to help keep the door open for Utah and Arizona, Arizona State, don't you think? I think mm-hmm. they all bolt to the Big 12. So uh, that'll be a, a better payday for those schools. Think Big I think Ten, eyes Oregon. Well, I think Oregon and Washington can lob a phone call to Oregon and Washington and whatever the Big Ten offers financially, not full membership, but hey, we'll give you X millions of dollars for your media rights. It's still going to be way better, probably three or four times than what the Pac-12 would be able to get anyway. So something's better than nothing if you're both of those schools. Brand-wise, Oregon's still super impressive. Washington has a great coach in DeBoer and, and he's he's big time. And then the, the remaining schools and we're talking about Cal and Stanford. Let's be straight, dude. They want to drop football anyway. <laughs> I'm not saying they do, but they, there's an afterthought. So you have the, the Mountain West probably takes over the remaining Pac-12. That's that's my thought. To Dion, I think he gets to get to, to go back into Texas. That's where he was a high school coach at that Christian Academy. So he'll, uh, he'll be another mouth to feed, so to speak, in the state of Texas. Rule has great connections down there, but Dion's also pretty big time. So that's, that's a real possibility. And I think Dion wants to, to get back into Texas to recruit. Chris, what was the general thinking with the members of the media? with the three players from Northwestern deciding not to show up? I think we get it because it was going to just be dominant. It was, okay, how do you feel? Your head coach is gone. You're pissed. How do you feel about your president not being here? You're pissed. How about the athletic director not being here? Well, you're pissed about that. I mean, so they said no. Poor Coach Braun had to go up there and just... You know, gut through it. North Dakota State guy. He's a he's a stand-up dude. Really talented coach. And he's going to do everything in his power to, to do the right things. But that program's in 
a tailspin and you've just got cowardness from administration, period. And it, it absolutely showed. That's the that's the way the wind blow, is blowing here, fellas, about Northwestern. Uh, I assume you have a vote as to uh, your pick of who's going to win the Big Ten. So uh, can you let the uh, cat, cat out of the bag here? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I'm right there with Michigan. I think they make it three straight. Wow. Well, you know, Harbaugh, despite his quirkiness, the man can coach and a man can get players. He absolutely can. And he can oh. wrestle you with his shirt off in the living room, too. Yeah, he's got a Lan Orgeron in him, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, all right. If, he's, if you're a recruit. We, we, need, we need to let you go. But I'm sorry. Inquiring minds really need to know. I hear a jingling. Do you hear it, Lars? Um, it's the, all the money that Chris has in his wallet. No, I think his it's his, I would guess it's his credential. Right oh, yeah, around. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. the, the, the wife has the money, and I'm sure it's being set on fire as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> hey, really good stuff. Let's do it again real soon. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Pretty appreciate you guys. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Hit St. Elmo's. Got to go to St. Elmo's. Have you ever been there in Indianapolis? It's the yeah, best. It is so good. That's the steak place? It's a steak place. There's and another the, and steak the, And the place. shrimp cocktail. Um, the shrimp cocktail. Yes, now I've heard about the shrimp cocktail. It's the hottest no? cocktail sauce you'll ever have. Oh, well, I don't need that. But, you know, there, there's a there's an area in downtown Indianapolis. It's like a square and a park, and it's got Captain Indianapolis in the middle of it or something like that. Is a yeah. statue? It's a, it's a, a roundabout. Right? Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, there was a place real near there. I guess we couldn't get into St. Elmo's. I wasn't making the reservations anyway. But there was a steak place. And it seems like I remember being on a corner. Maybe it was. There's a lot of good restaurants. But in I, uh, I, Indianapolis it is one, it's of, one of my favorite cities. Uh, it's, it was one of the top three or four steaks I've ever had in my life. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris just texted me at St. Elmo's. He had the 12 ounce filet last night. So, and he said it was awesome. 12 ounce. Filet. And that's all beef. That's yeah. good stuff. Hey, if I can tell y'all guys a cool steakhouse out in El Paso, Texas, in the middle of the desert. I've been there. Cattleman's yes. Steakhouse? It is awesome. Yes. They feed the like coyotes and roadrunners, the scraps from the trimmings, and you're sitting there. Just like how I'm looking at y'all now, there's like a coyote on the other side. <laughs> it's uh, What's the best steakhouse in Alabama? I would have no Nobody idea. can answer that question for me. <laughs> well, there's like a I can, I can give you like 20 in Nebraska. Uh, well, my you're my in Nebraska. house, Lars, I'll, I'll cook you the best steak you ever had. Baby. Yeah, I, what I, that's uh, what I tell people. The best steakhouse in Alabama is my grill. Who, uh, I'm a bone-in guy. Are you? Yeah, that's more flavor. No. Flavor. You're a filet guy. New York Strip and filet mignon. That yeah, sounds tea, like tea, somebody right? from Manhattan. <laughs> I'll only have a filet. And it'll be at the corner of 65th and Lexington. <laughs> That's an inside joke. It is. But well, well hey, by the way, we didn't get into that. No, and, and next time we will. Hey, yeah. we, we got a scoop. Um, I, I see Ryan Fowler in the wings. So the man. Hand it over to him. You've been listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haiti Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Stay safe. Community Service.